Welcome to the Industry 4.0 Podcast with Grantech. Hi, and welcome to today's episode of the Industry 4.0 Podcast with Grantech, where we deliver a look into the world of manufacturing with a focus on trends that lead to better solutions. Our guests share tips and outcomes that are going to help improve your productivity. Uh, I'm your host, Sam Russum, Senior Director of Smart Manufacturing Solutions at Grantech, and today I am joined by Vlad Romanov of Solus PLC and the co-host of the Manufacturing Hub with Dave and Vlad, amongst many other things, too. Uh, but from a young age, Vlad has been drawn to problem-solving, technical solutions, and has an avid thirst for knowledge. Uh, he built his first electrical circuit at age 12 and programmed his first C++ application by 14 and then decided, of course, to take those skills and bring it into electrical engineering as a career. Uh, Vlad has over 10 years of experience uh, working for food and beverage and CPG companies in both the U.S. and Canada and is currently the co-founder of Solus PLC, a very cool and growing company that is providing a lot of great technical content and education to leading OEMs and end users in manufacturing. So Solus PLC uh, delivers easy to follow technical tutorials in both written and video form to upskill employees and get them acquainted with new technologies and aid them in running their manufacturing operations better. Uh, David Griffith and Vlad also do host that manufacturing hub with Dave and Vlad, uh, one of the few manufacturing oriented live podcasts. So if you put that live on there, you beat me. Good point there. Uh, they've had an opportunity to speak to various leaders in the industry, learn about their companies, their roles, and their approach to leading the industry and their outlook, and so much more. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, Vlad. Great to have you here. Really appreciate the time. Thank yeah, of course. Uh, well, hey, let's jump right into it. So asking some questions about Industry 4.0. Uh, big picture first question. What does Industry 4.0 mean to you? Absolutely. And I, you know, I've been thinking about that question for a long time, even before the podcast. And I think coming in with a tech background, the immediate response would be an advance in technology. But I think it's important to maybe dig in further than that. And I think for me, it's really the transformation or the way we use data, right? So it's the ability to acquire more data. It's a, the ability to synthesize more data and ultimately to provide a more systemic way or better way to make business decisions. Right. And so the technology, I think, is the driving component. But I think there's a lot of underlying aspects that we need to consider. And for me, I want to say the secondary component would be the people. Right. So in order to be able to synthesize that information and then present it in a form that makes sense to make decisions, you need experts at every level that understand how do we gather that data in a, I want to say, very predictable way. How do we then process that data. And, and again, that could be in different applications, right? So there's different technologies, but someone needs to be an expert in, uh, for example, data analytics. And then there's going to be maybe machine learning, artificial intelligence that, again, technologies, but ultimately we need experts in those fields to be able to process the data and present it so that better business decisions can uh, be Yeah, made. I'm totally with you on that, right? I do I do feel like there is this conception that people feel like Industry 4.0 digital transformation means all the people are out and replaced by computers and robots, right? But that's really not what we mean. That's not realistic. Like, it, and it's going to be a, even if that were to be something in the future, there is a stepwise change process over many decades to get us there, right? We are talking about building systems today that work alongside people and need to kind of like meet us where we're at a little bit more as far as uh, the, the technology space on the, the on the shop floor. 
Absolutely. I think that the complexity is shifting, right? And so we, like, as I said, we need experts in different areas than we needed before, right? Like that's how I would put it. So it's not necessarily taking away jobs. I think it's changing the way jobs are arranged. And I think if anything, manufacturers are making the mistake that pure technology is going to solve all the problems that they have. I think they really need to start thinking of who are the right people to be in those positions and how do we get those people in yeah, those Yeah, absolutely. And uh, actually, we can probably bring that a little bit into a bit of a conversation around ROI too, right? Because mm -hmm. again, like we're thinking about that automation of, of process and things like that. Again, people assume that they're getting their ROI through cutting OPEX by maybe, you know, having less headcount on the floor, things like that. That's really not what you're talking about. And again, I agree. We're talking about still having people is an important part of this, just a different set of people, a different set of skills, things like that. So if it's not just in, in cutting people, what are the things that get you ROI in an Industry 4.0 project? Yeah, and I think that really depends uh, on the size of your organization, but also on the culture. And I, I think like culture is sometimes maybe, uh, you know, a very umbrella term to describe many different aspects. But I would say it's the the way the people in your organization adapt to these newer technologies and their willingness to kind of put them to good use. And so what that means in terms of ROI, if you're a smaller organization, it could be something as simple as putting in OE metrics on your production line, right? But then there's there's little nuances to that, right? Like just simple metrics, I think it's one step, but you can take that a step further. I, I've been to a, uh, a brewing facility not too long ago that actually has gamifications alongside OE, right? So they kind of put teams against themselves and they make it more interactive, more interesting to use that single metric, right? And if you're a larger organization, I think that you probably already have to some degree those metrics mm -hmm. in place. And so what the industry 4.0 allows you to do is now integrate very granular data, right? So before we couldn't necessarily go and pull your PLCs or machines at a millisecond level. And now that we can, we can derive much better analytics for why does a specific breakdown occur, right? So for them, it's maybe the small increment in OE that mm. is provided. It provides a lot of ROI, but ultimately it's that like tiny step in OE increase that will drive that huge ROI, but the implementation is slightly different because of yeah, the Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? Because it's not just size, but it's also like maturity along this too, right? If you're already running your line mm -hmm. at 99% OEE, the chances of us getting that last percent are pretty small. But if you're at 30, I know where we're going to focus a lot of our attention, right? So uh, yeah, totally. It's, it's size, exactly, it's maturity, exactly. it's culture. Totally believe you on that. I'm totally with you. Um, so as you've been going through and doing these kind of industry 4.0 projects, you're going to these breweries, things like that. What are some of the cooler applications you've seen of more modern technology and manufacturing? So that's, that's a good question. I would say like, again, the example that I mentioned was a really unexpected way again, because I've never seen anybody use yeah. gamification in a manufacturing specifically. Uh, but in terms of maybe like applications that I've not really seen like in production, but I have seen a lot on, uh, you know, demonstration floors and kind of like what's coming out. Uh, I, I want to mention augmented mm. reality. So again, I think that's a vague umbrella term, but I want to give like a very specific example. So I think the, the easiest use case that we can all uh, agree on is that someone can remote into the goggles of someone and see what they're working on so that they can help them. Right. Like, and, and I think that's just, Kind of scratching the surface but really having been in engineering and kind of maintenance support roles and teams 
I know that there's a lot of value to getting to the right information as quickly as possible, right? So I really see value in, I, I want to say like step number one is just providing the manuals accessible to every device that you're working on, right? So when I come into an automation panel, I want to be able to pull up a data sheet, for example, for a specific sensor, PLC, or any other piece of hardware. But then the next step would be to pinpoint problems again through those goggles to identify where the issue is because i think we have that data in our plcs we have that data mm -hmm. in our control systems and that's kind of like the next step of what that technology is well and a lot of that is also kind of captured in that concept of the connected worker too right where you know again like you got to think of if people are kind of listening to this and haven't been doing manufacturing for a while you know 15, 20 years ago, you got a problem at a machine. Well, well, I got to get the schematics for that. Maybe they're in the electrical pan. Maybe they're in the electrical panel, and maybe they're up to date. And maybe I need to go maybe. get an operations manual, which is a paper manual back in this filing cabinet and the engineering office and stuff like that, right? And the more we can bring accurate, up to date, useful data to those people on the shop floor when they need it, like just the more efficiently they can work, right? Whether that's you know, and again, it can be a stepwise thing too. First, it could be having them on your computer and then it's all of a sudden on your iPhone. And now all of a sudden, and then, you know, the, the evolution of that is it is a maybe even direct line to an expert through those AR glasses, all that information in context with what you're seeing on the floor. So like, yeah, you can kind of see this evolution from a very industry 3.0, maybe even 2.0, you know, paper-based system and how that can evolve to kind of take advantage of more modern technology. Absolutely. And I think, you know, like, I agree with you that it's going to happen incrementally, right? Like, I think that the sometimes the misconception that I have with end users is that you can simply put in, let's say, AI, and it's going to solve a lot of these kind of like problems. I think you really need to take a step back and understand the fundamentals, because ultimately, that's what yields you more ROI, right? So again, going back to augmented reality, the first step would be, hey, can we just provide the documents as they are, let's say, in paper form, but now in digital form and accurate to the mm -hmm. machine, right? So that's step number one. I think like very easy to understand the value there. And I think every, uh, and I don't want to say like every, but I want to say a lot of the technicians and engineers will tell you that is a concrete problem, right? Like I get to the panel and the manual yeah. is not there. It's not up to date or it's just, you know, it's filled with air and water, yeah. what have you. But anyways, <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And, and the list goes on, right? And I want to also paint the picture that that's not only happening in like small shops, right? Like that's happening in large organizations. So anyways, the point I'm trying to make is that there's going to be that step number one, then step number two would be to integrate that data from the floor to make like more specific decisions. And then like step number three, that's when maybe like AI can be tied yeah. in, but it, by no means can you jump through those two steps just because you have the capability. I think it still takes that, again, like that culture, people learning through the new technology. Uh, there, there's going to be for sure a learning curve, just like anything else, putting those uh, AR, VR goggles the first time. I don't think it's intuitive for anyone. So I think there's there will be a shift, right? Like there yeah, will be a timeline. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other thing that you mentioned in there that really resonated for me, right, is that you're, you're doing it to solve a specific problem. You said you go out to these technicians on the floor and they say access to information and reliable information is a real challenge. We're not coming into this saying... Well, I'm going to sell you a bunch of AR goggles, right? <laughs> it's one of the nice things about kind of being more generalist right. like yep. we are. You get to kind of go and start with the problem. And then, hey, AR goggles are one way to solve it. But, you know, it, again, if you're working in this paper-based system now, maybe it's just a digitization thing that's going to get you 
80% of the way there. And those AR goggles are what get you the last 20%, right? But there's a lot of, but, but either way, we're finding the problem. We're finding the problem. We're coming up with solutions to it and finding and leveraging these new technologies to help out along the way. Right. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So bigger picture, right? So, so thinking of uh, in this technology space, a lot of the stuff we're talking about, you, you can buy today. Some of it's mature, some of it's not. So, so if you're thinking further out, say five years, what do you think are some of the things that uh, we're maybe seeing a little bit of today that'll be more commonplace uh, in the near future? Sure. I, I would say again, like based on my experience, I've been having a lot of conversations around mm -hmm. cloud technologies, right? So I think we're still in the process of deploying a lot of servers, uh, servers on-prem and sort of gathering that data that we talked about a little bit uh, a few minutes ago on the site on a physical server. And I think we're really underutilizing the capability that, again, the software industry has built up. I think AWS now has over like 500 different applications, including one specifically for mm -hmm. IoT manufacturing. You know, there's multiple servers, uh, services. And personally, I'm having a hard time, like, you know, selling uh, manufacturers on these technologies because there's a reluctance of you know, there, there's less security, maybe there's less control of your data once it leaves the site. Uh, and, and I understand there's going to be a lot of challenges to overcome, right? There, there's certainly a lot of, um, I think, like architectural and design good principles that need to come into play when deploying these solutions. But my point is that I think there's a lot of opportunities still in the cloud technologies that we're still I think we're in the infancy stage on the manufacturing side, right? Like, so there's some applications that run in the cloud that they're starting to accept a little bit more. Uh, we're starting to accept remote access as kind of being like a normal solution. But I think we can use a lot of, or I guess, use a lot of the capabilities to process the data, understand what's going on in the manufacturing floor, and then be able to, again, resurface that information quite a bit better uh, than on a local server. And that's simply because the applications have been built to such a level by the software industry that we cannot necessarily replicate them on, I think, like on... on yeah, uh, I, I'm with you on all of that too. And I kind of see uh, a lot of trends today that are kind of pushing us in that direction more. So we're recording this on in November of 2022. Uh, it'll get released at a different time. So I'll say that this is the current state, right? Um, but a lot of, you know, what we're seeing right now, a lot of that push to the cloud is because supply chain is, is hardened and it's still hard to get chips and it is hard to get servers, right? You might have had every intention to build something with a on-premise application, but you literally can't get the hardware in to do it, right? And if there is an opportunity to accelerate that project by moving it into the cloud, um, great application there, right? The other place where I'm seeing this come up a lot has been greenfield builds, right? Um, especially for smaller companies and things like that this idea that you need to build a decently sized industrial data center within every single one of your manufacturing facilities is starting to go away. You're still going to have servers on site. You're still going to have some type of infrastructure that needs to be there, but it could be a half of what it would have been 10 years ago. And in the next five years, it could be a smaller fraction even than that. So uh, yeah, I'm totally with you on that trend as well. Yeah, and I, and I guess if I can add, I think I really like to sell that idea on more than just uh, unavailability of equipment, sure. right? Like at this time, I think there's really applications that make it a lot easier, right? And I'll, I'll give like one specific example of a factory that I visit that does mm -hmm. packaging 
And so what they've done is they created this application where you can go on their web portal, right? Like, so you sign up as a, as a customer, or you can do a trial and you can send them all the files digitally, right? So you don't need to necessarily fax them anything. You don't need to email them anything. You send the files based on their format and you can create the packaging through their web application. And ultimately that lives in the cloud and that does a complete tie in to their control system, right? So they can pre-schedule through their ERP something to run on the line without the need to interface with uh, with the customer or having many touch points. But ultimately, I think to scale applications like that and to try different applications, you need the capability of the cloud. I really think it's, you can probably do it on-prem as well, but I think it's just going to take you extra time. It's not gonna be as scalable. It's not going to allow you to, again, go from 10 customers a day to let's say a thousand customers a day uh, it's not going to yeah. allow you to do the same image processing that you know you get through AWS. And again, I, I'm sure you could do it with a, a whole lot of experts, but I, I really think it becomes a lot easier with uh, with the tools. Yeah, that is a platform. super cool application. I have not heard that one before, but it's really neat. And the other thing that I really like about it too, um, and an important thing to think about for for Industry 4.0, right, is Industry 4.0 expands beyond just the four walls of the plants too, right? In that application, you're talking about Sure, the plant is going, it sounds like to some type of PLM system and coordinating with the corporate ERP, but there's a whole customer facing aspect of this too. So the whole solution of that yeah. is from manufacturing to customer and back again, which is really, really impressive. That's a really cool idea. I was very surprised by it as well, right? So I asked a lot of <laughs> questions around that system, right? And they, they explained it to me, but I was also like, wait a minute, like I have another manufacturer that I've worked yeah. with for many years and their process is you need to fax them the images or you need to send them the files by email and then somebody needs to load those files into their other tool then process them, right? And then the packaging comes out. How did you actually like figure this out? And they told me like, because ultimately it allows customers to not have to go through that chain and the process becomes a lot simpler. And there's a lot of, like they talked to me, about a lot of like different other things they can do, right? Depending on mm -hmm. the batch size that automatically like prioritizes that, the complexity of the ink, right? That they're going to use. It can be batched with other processes. Like it, it, it's a whole array of, I think like solutions that just stems out of that one idea, but ultimately it's making it easier for the customer to Absolutely. get the final Absolutely, it's a product. whole, like despite all of the internal efficiencies that might make, either way, it is a huge competitive advantage that draws customers in and gets them in the door in the first place. Really cool application. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Yep. So Vlad, uh, last season, uh, one of the things that we were doing is we were asking all of our guests to kind of pay it forward and, and ask a question to a, a future guest that we would then determine and distribute as we saw fit. Um, so actually, I'm taking a, a question from last season and bringing it over here for you, uh, where one of our guests asked, um, with the onset of Industry 4.0, there is a lot of data available. How do we leverage that information and channel it in a way that we can optimize the effectiveness on the factory floor? I guess that's part of the kind of the, the thought that I had given about the definition of Industry yeah. 4.0. So I really like that question. So how do we leverage? So I think for me, it's really bringing in the right experts to the manufacturer, right? And I almost want to formulate my question along the same lines, but I think the challenge the manufacturing companies are facing is bringing in leaders that understand how to transform that data from the raw data that we collect on the plant floor into what makes sense for the business. So to answer that specific question, right, is we need to, number one, 
understand who do we bring in. And in my mind, that's someone with a mathematical mm. or maybe like a business analytics yeah. background, right? So that's number one. Number two, how do we get those people excited about manufacturing data, right? So I think that there's a lot coming in. We're able to gather data from every sensor, every device. How do we get people excited about what insights can we draw from there? But also equipping them with the right business questions, right? So I think that experts of data don't necessarily have, uh, I want to say like on the upstream side, a good understanding of what that data necessarily means and comes in as. But also on the business side, what are we trying to achieve, right? So is it, uh, again, improving the performance of the line? I think it's just too vague. Uh, there's start, you need to start having conversations about what specific areas you want to improve. Is it reducing maybe quality rejects at specific points? Are we trying to increase the time of production of like a very specific widget? So giving them the right tools to make decisions. And ultimately, I want to say that as the industry as a whole, I think we need to figure out how to nurture uh, that aspect of manufacturing a little bit better because quite frankly, I don't think there's enough people to fill those roles in manufacturing. So hopefully yeah. that answers the questions of what, what we need to well, do. And, and what I'm really curious to kind of dive into there a little bit more, I mean, so much of what you all do at Solus PLC is around mm -hmm. upskilling, right? And if I think back again, like kind of sure. earlier in my career, you know, I, um, when Six Sigma black belts were kind of like the hot thing as far as like continuous improvement programs go, usually the way that would work out is I would see companies pick some of their brightest up and coming operators on the shop floor and get them into Six Sigma training. And that's kind of how they upskilled. Um, it sounds like what you're kind of talking about is that, you know, we don't need to be shy about going in the other direction too. that you take somebody more familiar with the statistics and the business analysts and kind of the, those types of skills that are kind of more used to working maybe in, in R or in other machine learning algorithms and things like that. And we're bringing those skills and kind of teaching those people more about the manufacturing world, right? So that really can kind of work both ways as far as trying to find the right talent to fill that role. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I guess an important discussion is to be had about the fact that I think the data has gotten so like complex in many mm -hmm. aspects that I think it's difficult to maybe just give somebody a simple course on like Python yeah. or R and then to be able to bridge that gap. I really think it's going to take a little bit more effort than that. Right. And, and again, I, I guess there's a lot of like caveats in that answer and depends on the size of the manufacturer. depends on like how much data you're collecting, depends what kind of outcome you're looking for. But I really think that for the uh, cutting edge, so to speak, like companies, the data is extremely complex, right? In, in some instances, it has the right context. In many instances, it does not. But I really think it, it needs someone to come in with the analytical background that has a deep understanding of that field, yeah. right? And so uh, I guess like you mentioned Solus PLC a little bit, I certainly, I, I don't think we are experts on data analysis. So I don't think like we even provide mm -hmm. the right uh, platforms or, or learnings for that area of expertise. But I certainly think that there are, um, again, it could be like university programs. I know that there's third party programs that teach people on how to perform data analysis. And I just, I, I guess like my answer again, to go back to the question, I don't think we have enough experts to fill those roles in those positions. And once we do, I think we'll be able to get a lot better like decision making. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I've worked in kind of data projects and I've seen the lack of that like key, like deep knowledge person 
uh, to drive the decisions. Well, the and it ties back to all the way you talked about at the very beginning of the podcast around having people being a very important part of this, right? We can collect all of this data all day, but if you don't have someone trained and qualified and how to turn that into actual change in your plans, then then what was the point, right? Um, great. So so last question, um, you get to, to pay it forward as well. So what is an industry 4.0 question that, that you might want to have answered that I can ask to a future guest? Do some of my work for me. Yeah, so let me, I guess, like, let me preface that with a, a problem sure. and then a question, right? So, again, bringing back to our conversation, I think it's around hiring the right people. Uh, I think it, it needs to change a little bit more than that. So my question is, how do we uh, bring more excitement to the field of manufacturing in order to attract these individuals into these roles, right? And I, I don't want to focus that on analytics mm -hmm. alone. Uh, all the other areas are also just as valid, right? So there could be an entire like chain of decisions made uh, through that uh, like data processing layer, so to speak. How do we, as manufacturing leaders, attract them at the like university level, college level, even high school levels, maybe, to go into manufacturing versus maybe the more traditional like software or or data science? Oh route? yeah, I, I agree with that too. I don't know about you. I mean, I I kind of found myself stumbling into manufacturing. I didn't know that I was going to do that when I was going into university, but I do think it's a, again, people think yep. about like big tech firms and things like that and kind of the, oh, I'm going to say the dot coms, but that's going to date me a little bit. <laughs> um, but no, it is, it, there's, there's a lot of really cool stuff in the manufacturing space and a lot of interesting jobs. It is not all just kind of, you know, from, from operators to supervisors, technicians and engineers and all sorts of things along the way. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. We need to get more people excited and realize there's a lot of career opportunities around here. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I, I guess like yeah. to, to close that off a little bit more, like, I don't know sure. what the answer is, right? Like, I don't know if we need to put in like more manufacturing or I guess like more, um, uh, what's it called? Like more dollars into advertising ourselves a little bit better, like marketing, or is it, you know, showing these plants to high school or university students? I, I think like I really got excited when I went to see you know, a, a Procter & Gamble production plant and saw the robotics, the motors, the conveyors, how they're making products. So I, I think in many ways they do themselves at the service by keeping it so closed off. And, you know, there's obviously like no cameras on the production floor and they don't want to reveal the yeah. industry secrets. But I think that is slowly starting to change, right? But again, like to my point, I don't know if it's increasing the salaries. I don't know if it's mm -hmm. more marketing. I don't know if it's uh, influencers on TikTok. I just, I don't have that answer. So I'm really curious to see people can come yeah, up. Yeah, for sure. Ideas. I mean, uh, and I'll say, I, I do think there's promise there too. Um, I think I could talk about this, uh, but uh, you know, we, Grant Tech actually, and myself included, uh, did a little bit of um, volunteering for Purdue University as they were putting together their industry 4.0 curriculum. It's like a half, sem I think it's a semester's worth of just a course on industry 4.0. So I am seeing some universities kind of realize this industry 4.0 smart manufacturing trend and, and trying to see how they can address it. So, um, well, hey, before I let you go, is there anything interesting that you guys are doing at the Manufacturing Hub or Solus PLC that you want to make sure that our, our audience knows about? Sure. I, I guess I'll, I'll mention both a little bit. So on the Solus PLC side, we're continuing to work with, uh, I want to say, the largest platforms that are like Rockwell and Siemens uh, in the world, but also we're integrating a lot of smaller platforms that we're bringing on board. So PLC Next, we released courses 
We're working with Opto, trying to figure out a partnership with uh, with Wago and Omron. So I think there's going to be quite a few learning paths out of next year. And then on the manufacturing hub side, so again, we release episodes on a weekly basis uh, with me and Dave Griffith. And we have a much more, I want to say, like succinct plan for next year on various topics that we want to hit. And again, the conversation is light, similar to what we're having here. I think it's a, it, it's a good discussion. I think a lot of the industry uh, doesn't necessarily get to have these conversations unless you're at a trade show, you know, you're grabbing uh, a quick beer with someone at the industry. So we're really trying to bring that uh, lighter conversation uh, with our guests and hopefully bridge some of these knowledge gaps uh, with them. But yes, that's that's what we're having. In, oh, yeah, no, uh, it's a great show. It's occupied me for, for many a car ride. So yes, thanks for that. Um, great. Well, hey, thanks for sharing. Um, and thanks, everybody for for listening. We're going to wrap it up uh, around now. But uh, we would love to hear from you. So please do follow Grantech on LinkedIn to stay up to date with everything that we're doing. Subscribe to the Industry 4.0 podcast with Grantech wherever you get your podcasts. Email any questions, feedback or thoughts uh, on Industry 4.0 to info at grantech.com. Uh, and join us next time on the Industry 4.0 podcast with Grantech. Vlad, thank you again so much for helping out today. Uh, it was a real pleasure talking to you.